Now we don't have any value. Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to your Dev Sentence. I am once again Eden, and today I am joined by David Buck. David, how's it going? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing well, except for the fact that I got my time zones mixed up and I was a little late to this call, so now I'm slightly flustered. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, you're currently writing your PhD, or have you already defended it? How, what's the state on that? Uh, I'm I'm still doing field work. Um, mm. I uh, am keeping the writing far, far away from me for the time <laughs> being. Um, but uh, but I've been also keeping myself busy. I've written a few articles in the past year and got a couple of conferences coming up and that sort of thing. Uh, but in the, uh, the, uh, right now, I'm in the middle of doing field work. As I say, I've just started doing research interviews. And, and and field work is going to shows, or how does that look? Well, yeah, I mean, I have managed to uh, scam a university into allowing me to go to shows, <laughs> and uh, and uh, even uh, they even they've uh, I was awarded some funding um, a couple of years back, and that's paid for a festival ticket, so that's very good. But uh, field work also means um, I've got I've got two experiments around data and two experiments around interviews and mm-hmm. so i need to go and speak to some people the data stuff has kept me indoors for the past year and now i'm blinking in the sunlight trying to claw my way out of the door and find a person so for the listeners um david is researching the unifying thematics of heavy metal culture is that like a good headline yeah yeah i mean the 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 core question is why does it persist is why Mm. why does this thing last um and when i was going into it the that was the angle of how do how do we the other kind of big question is how do we say that all of metal is metal because it's become so you know there are so many different forms of the genre now so many different ways of of playing the genre of playing the music that um you know lots of scholars uh are want to claim that uh, oh x genre often black metal this isn't heavy metal this is its own thing Mm. um and and whether that's because you've got a, a black metal partisan who's avidly declaring you know, this is this is separate. This is the true cult, and everything else is false. Um, or you've got uh, some musicologists who look at black metal and and claim, well, it doesn't really have riffs. It kind of has it has chords more than riffs, and so maybe it's more to do with uh, with like punk music um, than it is to do with with the traditional metal lineage. So, but but what I'm trying to sort of investigate is firstly do people think that metal can be seen as one big thing um but then i guess more you know, a more pertinent question is well if it's not then why do we insist on retaining this uh the the name uh you know why it you know and perhaps following from that there is something sort of running underneath binding this genre world together that's all super interesting. I think 
a few years ago, I stumbled across a program at Bristol University, I believe it was, um, about what makes a game, a video game, metal. Um, and it was the first time I thought about metal as a modifier, right? Like an right. adjective used to describe other genres of art or, or of culture. And mm. I didn't end up uh, submitting to that program, even though one of my friends who's a game designer really wanted me to. But it kind of like got the ball rolling inside my head. Like, what would I define as a non-musical thing? Or sometimes it can be even music. That's not metal, but we call it, oh man, you know, that's so metal or that is metal as fuck, right? Like, how does that work as, as a modifier and an adjective? What, what do you think about that? What are the sum of parts that makes something metal? Oh my word. So so this this is the... This is the real fucking question, isn't it? Like, this is what this is what we. Uh, this really is is the question that should be every metal scholar's question: is uh, when we say that's metal, what do we mean by that? Yeah. And I. Uh, so when I went into this uh, project, I was very interested in existentialist thought um, mm-hmm. as a kind of as a as a sort of linkage because. Uh, where before I did the PhD, I remember sitting on a bus one day and thinking, "Oh, there's a lot of skulls in this genre, isn't there? There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of image there's a lot of representations of death," and that got me and that got me going for a while. Um, and then over the past couple of years, I've hit a more kind of psychoanalytic um, approach to thinking about what is metal, and because it doesn't have to just re- be a simple reflection on mortality um and it doesn't just have to be destructive either i think there's something about um excess that is really kind of crucial and eventually that led me to uh thinking of heavy metal in terms of a kind of uh direct access to jouissance a sort of uh, a, a very direct means of accessing this kind of excessive self destructive um kind of kind of aspect of of uh of depending on who you read uh the human condition and if you read Bataille economy um so so when so the, the way that i kind of at the moment that i think about how do we know that something is metal when we point at it and say oh that's really metal is because it's got a lot of there's a lot of enjoyment happening there, basically. Like, I think the paradigmatic thing to point at and say, oh, that's really metal, is like an explosion, normally. Like, mm. or, or, or a bil- uh, maybe like a building collapsing or somebody um, somebody going over a, a big jump on, a, on some kind of device. Perhaps that's a paradigmatically metal thing as well. Um, Super but- interesting. Yeah, yeah, there, there's something, but it's it, the, the. Sorry, I'll tell yeah. you. I'll tell you. I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. So, so here, here on the podcast, what we most are interested in is the intersections between stuff like that and literature, right? Yeah, and how we don't exclusively cover, you know, books or works of art that are metal, but a lot of it has a lot of overlap. And I was thinking in preparation for this um, conversation about the links between sword and sorcery fantasy literature and metal which Mm. are of course many like michael moorcock wrote for hawkwind which is arguably like a proto metal band but then 
um, Elric and the Eternal Champion have influenced multiple albums and tracks. I actually wrote a piece mm-hmm. on that for Heavy Blog, right? Like tracking the influences of Moorcock. But also, but then um, you bringing in, uh, well, Lacani and enjoyment, right? Um, yes. into the Into the discussion makes me also think about, this is an article that I've wanted to write for a while about Moorcock and Sword and Sorcery and sexuality. Like oh the yeah, way that, exactly. Like the way that Elric plays with gender roles and with what is masculine, it's obviously yep. like a reaction to Frazetta-like fantasy depictions, right? Of this uber-masculine that is muscular man, right? Mm. Um, so, so what do you think about the way that this ecstasy or, or, or this um, um, Lacanian enjoyment does does that mean that metal? I know you wrote an article for what, Astral Noise, which you also edit, right? About uh, the inherent yeah. radicalness of metal. Is that what yes. makes metal radical? Is it this ecstasy that gives it like this vector, which is which is inherently radical? Yeah. So, so when I wrote Metal is Radical, I hadn't read um, Lacan properly yet. And mm. and and I was proposing a kind of political radicality to metal, which um, I'm now I, I've thought several times over the past year about writing a new piece called "Metal is Not Radical" um, <laughs> as, as a as a kind of counterpoint uh, to to myself. Um, but in, certainly, when we're talking about um, uh, sexuality and and the way that metal plays with fantasy and uh, and, and yeah, expressions of the male form. I think what we're seeing there are various very direct engagements with enjoyment. I think this is the this is the crucial thing, and the thing that 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 for me is where red uh, metals kind of radicality sits is that it offers this extreme directness to enjoyment that other. Uh, kind uh, other music genres don't offer, but it has this correlate, I think, with fantasy, uh, which also provides a kind of very direct access to enjoyment. And I think, like we were, ta- you you were just talking about the kind of hyper exaggerated masculine forms of Franzetta or uh, and and obviously Conan. There's a there's a doom band yeah. of that name, like, and and obviously Manowar being the kind of well, let's try and do that as a band. What if Conan? What if the characters from Conan were a band? And you end up obviously with this extremely tragic version where you've got these four dudes all oiled up, but it looks absolutely pathetic in a way because they're not yeah. muscle bound. Because they're not muscle bound freaks. But the image of the muscle bound freak wielding pure phallus in the form of the big sword, like that, is a extremely direct and unambiguous kind of representation of of um, uh, of masculine uh jouissance and i think that's where metal's kind of really interesting insight sits is that it provides this this yes this this kind of through line uh into enjoyment whereas other uh music discourses um don't uh, they they take the more the effectively they take the more pleasurable, winding meandering route that actually better matches enjoyment to desire, whereas metal uh, because it is providing this extremely kind of direct access to enjoyment desire um, is largely thrown out the window in metal discourse. 
and we can go interesting can... so so you can say you, you are, are you almost saying that that a lot of metal at least can be even sexless in many ways right yeah be, and yeah yeah that's 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 and i think that's something that's something that's been talked about in in the study of metal for a long time and obviously we've got to consider that metal also is a sexist discourse is a sexist genre and uh, this goes back to so one of the first writers of metal, this guy called Robert Walser, he talks about how 80s metal uh, treats women. And one of the strategies he notes is that there's this thing called excription, where women are basically written out of a lot mm-hmm. of metal content. There are only male characters. Um, and uh, and it's solely about the, like, lots of, you know, battle metal, man of war, all of that early power stuff. And, and lots of maiden and so on like a lot of fantasy based metal is just about men and yeah so so yeah. it's not just uh, so it is sexist but i actually was at, saying and it, it, these two are related of course that it's sexless mm. right like sex disappears almost from the artistic discourse iron maiden is a fantastic example like this band have you know all, what what is it more than 20 albums these days or close to 20 yeah um only their earlier works, which they've moved away from, right? Uh, Charlotte the Harlot, right? This is one of yes, the only yes, right. maiden songs to depict sexual attraction and the yes. sexual act, if I'm not mistaken. Like even something like Number of the Beast, which is about a cult and like um, witchcraft, which is usually drawn, you know, has parallels to, um, I mean, the stake is obviously a metaphor, which is orgasmic in nature and so on. Yeah, Even yeah, yeah. then, they managed to sanitize it and almost cut sex out of the artistic discourse, right? Yes, yeah, no, exactly. So, and, and I think what what I was trying to what I was trying to say is that it's it's sexist and sexless, and there's a kind of tension between the two there. Mm, and I think, uh, and I, I think maybe even that's one of the kind of that that bespeaks a contradiction in metal or a, or a site of a site of antagonism inside it where on the one hand um there it it could easily be read as yeah this is just misogyny but on the other hand you can read the kind of sexlessness the sort of absence of the female as a kind as a uh, as a way in which metal um, unlike popular music, unlike a lot of pop music, forgoes the logic of desire with the woman basically uh, standing in as the object of desire in most pop music discourses, which are also themselves sexist. Very interesting. So, so, but, but do you think touching back on the the the, the tragedy that you mentioned of Manowar, which I really agree with it, I think. Is there kind of like an, a Nietzschean ressentiment almost of, of an artist pretending to be a warrior? Because if they they really wanted to be Conan, they would go out and, and be the Nietzschean master, right? Like Conan's the mm. embodiment of, of this master ideal, right? He exerts his will on, on reality and, and changes things according to his whims, whereas what these guys are doing is basically performing, yes. right? They are pretending to be this this master. So So... How, how does how does this idea of resentment come into it? Do you think it's it's a way for people who could never actually be warriors to pretend that they are? What's the tension like there? I, I think I think you're really hitting it there. Um, I think uh, broadly you could say that uh, metal is um, made up of people who recognise that the last man is approaching, but 
also are caught in the bind. They actually like modern, <laughs> they like modernity, and they like the trappings of it to an extent. So you end up with this, um, with these sort of half-hearted iterations of fantasy. It doesn't quite punch through, and 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 you know, and you're presented with someone who really does defy reality. You get presented with people who. Um, are very talented, but they are just putting on a show. And I think there's a constant tension in the way the fans and the musicians in metal understand it, the genre, between it being a performance and it being so much more. And it's and it's really hard for the for individual fans to kind of disentangle that because I think at some point you allow yourself to get lost in the fantasy. That is that's fascinating. I'm thinking back to like my Moorcock example, and 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 thinking about how whenever people adapt Moorcock, and and I wrote about this on on the article that I published, it's the the obsession is almost always with the most boring iterations of the Eternal Champion. It's like always about the sword, right, the black sword, or about um, Elric being cool, basically, and they never struggle with the anarchism and the Nietzschean anarchism that is in Moorcock's work. Right, because it's acting against them almost. Right, it's 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 criticizing the families that they came from, the economic class in many cases that they came from, the attitude, as you said, of, of modernity which they come from. So it's kind of like that meme where the person is looking at like a space marine and there's a line going above their head, um, and they're missing the criticism of fascism in 40k, instead yeah. saying oh cool guns or whatever. So it's same thing here. Like they're looking at these works and saying oh cool swords instead of grappling with the actual critique that the books are offering well and and what i would add to that is that because because one of my contentions with metal and fantasy is that metal speaks in fantasy you know Mm. other 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 popular music genres i think much more work in dis in kind of intersubjective speech and metaphor um, so I, I, part of my data analysis has been analysing metal lyrics and comparing them to non-metal lyrics. And one of my big findings is that non-metal lyrics are much more about people having conversations with each other. Lots of phrases like, you were there when this happened, or I want you back. It's, a, you know, like the, the, the social uh, phrases that describe relationships. Whereas mm. metal is very much about, there's lots of, in metal, there's lots of, look at this crazy shit. Have you ever <laughs> seen this thing before? This, this, this thing looks fucked up. And like, um, and, and for me, that, that emphasis on beholding objects or like the, 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 the emphasis on sight as opposed to speech is, um, is an interesting, I think, uh, one, one way of seeing that um, metal kind of operates in a phantasmatic level so what i would add to what your your it's like they choose to not see it you know the uh the, yeah. our fans our fa- uh, the, the fans who see Moorcock and avoid and avoid the anarchism and the nietzscheanism they they are you know involved in a choice to not see because yeah. precisely precisely because it threatens their position and that's why I think metal has such a broad political spread, because you've got some people who are very, very willing to ignore the traumatic aspects of the fantasy 
and some people who burrow right the fuck in, and the people who get further and further into the contradictions of the fantasy tend to be more leftist. I mean, it's interesting because I conjured the spectre of uh, 40k, which is mm. arguably one of the most recognizably metal, non-musical yeah. thing out there, right? And isn't that exactly the story of 40k? Well, the especially if you go back to Warhammer's roots in, in the 70s and the 80s, it was much more radical than it is today, both fantasy yeah. and 40k. But today there are huge swaths of the of the hobby. I would say most people who do the hobby who not only actively ignore the satirical nature of basically every single character in the 40k universe, but actually cheer on the people who are obviously meant to be the bad guys. Right? Yeah. Um, like the, the Space Marines are not good. The Inquisition is not good. And yeah. yet people choose to Ignore that in much the same way. And, and I'm wondering whether the metalness of the setting and of the aesthetics assist in some way in ignoring these un political undercurrents. Um, I, I think that there's, there's a basic truth to that because they're not going there looking for the satire. They're looking for this kind of unmediated or relatively unmediated enjoyment. Like... Um, my supervisor, my supervisor Keith Khan Harris, his book talks about what what they like. The extreme metal fans is transgression. He argues, and what yeah. I would say is that transgression is one kind of enjoyment, a pro a really prominent kind of enjoyment, and one that and one that um, engenders this kind of right wing. Uh, approach where you go and find the transgressive thing you you enjoy that and then you don't uh you don't have to fully question it because you are so bound up with just the illicit thrill of transgression itself just the break the fact that you are breaking the taboo and uh, seeing the thing that shouldn't be seen that is where it can stop but um i also think that there's further kinds of enjoyment beyond that. And I think that's how we can sort of explain, in effect, why rather than there being so many right-wing metalheads, that there are so many left-wing metalheads, because mm. they find an enjoyment beyond transgression. But they still need this kind of extremely direct form of enjoyment, otherwise they wouldn't like metal in the first place. It's interesting because I think there's also overlap here with um, punk, Right? And, yeah. and what happened politically with that movement, uh, a movement that ostensibly started as something inherently radical, which we've seen over the last decade, has been completely hollowed out and, mm -hmm. and made useful for conservatives and um, right-wing characters and so on. And I think it's because, I think it's it's to do with these subtleties that you're pointing out, where if you leave the radicalness as just a function of the aesthetics, every side of the political equation is able to manipulate aesthetics in its own way, right? So if you don't yeah. make it explicit, then you leave yourself open to the risk of uh, misinterpretation. I'm thinking, of, but then I'm, I'm countering myself by saying there are people out there who were surprised that Rage Against the Machine are communists, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> we're like, I, they're like, I grew up on this music and I can't believe Zach de la Roja is a communist. Well, he was always a communist, and the lyrics were always very communist. So even if you scream it out of your lyrics, the well, we're living in the postmodern era, right? Like the, the the author function and the space between the reader and and the work allow any sort of interpretation to blossom, no matter how counter it runs to the actual work being uh, consumed. 
Yeah, well, exactly. And, and kind of more to the point, like the way that conservatives manipulate aesthetics like this is to turn them. They are the most, I, I loved, uh, I think it's Matt, Matt Chrisman from Chapo who put it like this, but people on the right are the most postmodern. Because they yeah. are very happy to use signifiers as totally floating and say, yeah. well, punk really is just um, the uh, it, whatever's in, re- you know, whatever's not the current thing, that must be what is punk, you know? And yeah. uh, and, and so I, I propose it's not just like a, a de- it's not a death of the author as much as it is the emergence of a belligerent reading, like a, a willful um a, a willful anti-reading of the of the thing because i i don't believe when when a conservative says oh i never noticed that zactella rocha was was a communist it's like yeah you did come on <laughs> like 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 they, they they've got all of this iconography all over the album's called evil empire like come on like yeah. what you're doing what i would contend is what they're doing is saying that to annoy you <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, to yeah. annoy me and, and for that annoyance to to appropriate this thing, which I feel like is my own, right? The, and the... and and in the process, they get further transgressive enjoyment because they you know, what is the the work of conservative transgression? All edge, no point. It, so it's just about provoking for the sake of the uh, the irritated reply. Mm, you know? like they, yeah. yeah exactly they, they they love and and it's just the sheer transgression of it the sheer illicit thrill know that the content contained in that gesture is actually irrelevant which is why conservatives have a new issue every week right and that's also why they'll it's so easy for them to gel with metal a genre where transgression mm. is the point right it's not a it's not an after effect of the music the point of the music is to be transgressive yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that is starting to, the, the, well, yeah, I think that the fact that I can think that there's something beyond transgression to me indicates that metal is reaching a stage where transgression is losing its luster a bit, and that for me is a very exciting moment because it means that although metal is becoming um, much less transgressive and more normalized. That also means that there is some uh, conceptual work beyond this, um, yeah, just idiotic transgression for its own sake. Sure, but don't you agree that there's also the dynamo that keeps metal running, some of the momentum, is that society gets used to its antics and that it has to become more and more extreme to generate the same level of shock, right? Like, who is the um, comedian... I, I don't think it's Bill Hader, but one of those guys who said that when he listened to Metallica in the 80s, he felt like he had to do it in secret, right? Because he was mm. pissing people off and he'd get sent to the like the principal's office. But nowadays he plays Metallica and his mom walks by and is like, oh, that sounds really nice, actually. They sound like good boys, yeah. right? So like the lines keep shifting and then metal is always moved by this desire to always be on the edge, right? Always to be edgy. Kind of, but my my I say my contention is that 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 dynamic has kind of played itself out in the past twenty mm. years, got and it. we've and we've got to a point where like the most transgressive bands out there are you know the ones that really stirred shit in metal in the last ten years were bands like Death Heaven and Liturgy, who 
Um, certainly musically and compositionally are fast, are really interesting, take breaking boundaries and, in, and using lots of new textures and so on. But the content of the, of the music, I mean, yeah. Death Heaven, write De- Deaf Heaven, write emo albums about dying in San Francisco. Like it's, it, you know, <laughs> it's, and, and, and liturgy writes absolutely incomprehensible semi-religious stuff. Like yeah. with, with, uh, you know, not, not to completely rag on her, I, I I enjoy reading her work, but um, but but uh, but the transgression is just not. It's not as shocking as it used to be. Not at all. I like and the way that metal has been like reabsorbed into mass culture over the past, uh, I think, twenty years to the point where, you know, it's thing. Yeah, there, there's a number of events that have happened in the past few years that have really kind of really shaken me and 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 got me to see this things like bill bailey the uh the comedian uh winning strictly come dancing and dancing to metallica on strictly i think that was yeah. that was an interesting moment lizzo recently covering do hast at her concerts i think that's a kind of that's that's a a current thing and and i think t pain also did a cover of war pigs on a recent covers album um and uh, just the other week my dad showed me an episode of gardener's world featuring an extreme metal fan who yeah. grows cac who grows cacti like the, <laughs> and of course he grows cacti cacti are the course, most yeah. metal they're the most metal plant because they're the most striative they have the most yeah. spikes so they're <laughs> and and i think um, i might there there's another kind of what is metal thing it um striation striation yeah. is metal um for sure but 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 the but the overall tenor of metal is like it's no longer as transgressive as it was 25 years ago but that so, itself as i say is exciting because that means there is conceptually some ground beyond that so so that's that's why i wanted to take this conversation which i think is really fascinating because a few years ago back in 2018 and then in 2020, I, I wrote two articles called um, Fighting Fire with Fire. Mm. Well, um, I, I gave it that name, by the way, because I saw a clip of Metallica playing like early, early days before anybody knew who they are. And the energy just blew me away. You know, James without a shirt and, and they're going crazy and just those energies that they don't have anymore just because they're older, yeah. right? Not, not, not in a derogatory sense. But I use that to talk about how that... Um, sterilization of metal that you described is sort of like the end of the end of history right it's sort mm. of like this you know there used to be a dialectic there used to be a contradiction between metal and the culture from which it's it's spun off which kept mm. drawing metal in that culture farther and farther away but then somewhere in the 90s neoliberalism and capitalism triumphed in the sense that they learned how to digest metal into its discourse right and to completely yes. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Cut recuperate, through, recuperate exactly. Cut through the 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 dialectic and and recuperate this into one thing that no longer has any contradictions that move it forwards. But that yeah. was me before I understood how uh, the accursed chair and all this stuff is supposed to be optimistic, not pessimistic, right? Because it says mm. even in those supposedly sterile lands, and I'm thinking about um. The desert of the real, right? The matrix is desert of the real. There is potential yes. for resistance out, out mm-hmm. of this, out of this supposedly sterile uh, plane. So, where where do you see that new momentum for metal coming from? What is the key to staying radical in a post uh, uh, edgy existence for the genre? 
So I, I think that the resistance... The resistances that have been that have emerged in metal over the past ten years. There's now, for instance, there's a lot more feminist thought in metal. There's a lot more LGBTQ representation in metal. There's a lot more non-white people in metal than there used to be as well. And I think these resistances actually show us the uh, the the other way of seeing dialectics, which is how a movement is always undoing itself from the inside and this mm-hmm. is and and i think this is where the new trajectories have all been all of the the novelty in metal over the past 10 years has come from from non-hegemonic voices in effect like left more left politics more uh yeah more non-hegemonic positionality has led to the emergence of third wave black metal um trap metal um, uh, like a, a resurgent dungeon, uh, sort of dungeon synth becoming a fully fledged genre in its own right, and so on. Um, yeah, and and I think that uh, I think that's really interesting because it shows how the ground, for, although metal cannot, you know, indeed it has kind of been arrested in its uh, uh, vociferous negation, but that doesn't mean that it's done with its own contradictions, and I think those are precisely where we're going to see more motion in metal. Um, Personally, I think musically, the next big step is to move towards, uh, I was talking about this with somebody last night, I was talking about uh, free metal is probably where the genre can move next in terms of real innovation. I'm thinking... Free jazz? I'm thinking free improvised metal. Oh, interesting. That's a new musicological space. And I think that perfectly is a contradiction against metal's rigid organization of sound that has predominated riff-based composition for the past 50 years. Which is really interesting because you could also maybe one of the most celebrated groups in the last few years might actually be be a precursor to that, which is Sumac. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I I knew you were aiming there because Love in Shadow was improvised, right? The the guys just played it and then recorded it and it's held it as one of metal's most interesting albums of the last de- decade or even more rightfully mm. so i think so that's actually really interesting i i had not i hadn't thought about that it, it's almost like a lot of what we say is the potential of the left today right in defeat in this nihilism in this moment that we find ourselves where capitalism seems total and never present and the contradictions are all gone from that moment can can rise the political optimism that the left needs right by including these new voices by including these new perspectives and you're, you're saying that that's also where we need to take metal right this is exactly yeah, the moment for which we can innovate yeah now i i want to underscore that i think that any we have to understand optimism as a pessimism basically yeah. like yeah, that, hope, that, that hope would be fear are, hope and fear are the same the two sides of the same coin that's right. That's right. Like yeah. we, like we have to, we have to fight the lost cause. And I think now that metal seems to be totally, um, in some ways, totally stayed. To everything's been done. Every gimmick has been tried. Um, you know, all the all the major subgenres seem to be filled out by infinite scores of uh, of of burly white dudes. Like. That is the exact moment where the culture can start to eat itself alive, and it's there that we'll find the most exciting novelty and probab- and better politicking. Fascinating. I feel like 
I've I've always already had this conversation in some way. Like it's been banging mm-hmm. around in my head for so long. And I, I think it's these are all like nascent ideas, right? Like they're forming up around us. And, yes. and that, that's why it's so important to call them out and, and talk about them in a way which is um I, I wanna say intelligible, but that's not not the adjective I'm looking for. It, and not accurate that's exactly what we need to resist right it's good that it's fuzzy it's good that it's ill-defined yeah indeed it's uh, but but it has to it's it's sensical if it's not factual right and and um i think that it's important i I really agree with you with what you're saying because you go and ask the average metalhead about what they think about where the genre is and it's you're looking into bad infinity when you talk to some of them it's it's this kind of like oh we're just going to keep releasing stuff and i like this thing and oh these people have got these new things coming out and i'm super excited and it's and they are very happy with the bad infinity of we're just going to have more and more stuff ever more ever uh, but but in the more radical corners of it um, and in the politicized discourses that have emerged in metal over the past 10 years, as the whole rest of the world has become more politicized, what we're seeing is the emergence of proper struggle and tension between different groups of metalheads. And it's that friction, that dissonance, which is going to produce better dissonance, i.e. more dissonant music for us. But but, but wouldn't you agree that even the people who say Wait, before that, I'm going to say something which might be a bit, um, I, I don't know, contentious. But would mm-hmm. you say that the people who are satisfied with the bad infinity are generally localized in Europe as opposed to the US? Or how, how do you see those two scenes interacting around these questions? Oh, I think uh, the US is even more content with... I, I, well, that's, in, that's really interesting, actually, because let me put it this way. Uh, in the US, there's more, much more impetus to, get, to have some proper tension and friction because the because it's much more politicized out there in the scene whereas in Europe there's a lot more kind of just sort of soft liberalism that predominates yeah. um but um i also think in america is closer to the it's closer to the heart of capital and so the form of constant release schedule constant touring this ever this drive to make the stuff and just keep making it frenetically is um a little bit is more predominant whereas in the uk uh and and europe perhaps are uh, distance from the imperial core leaves a little bit more of a gap for self-reflection, hence why it is this kind of soft liberalism versus a kind of um, more avowed conservatism versus leftism that predominates a bit more in the States. Interesting. I, I was just thinking about, you know, I, I'm always, my, you know, uh, the circles that we run in, and, and we run in parallel or, or even overlapping circles, they t- seem to forget that there's a whole world of metal out there which has nothing to do with us and doesn't care about, I don't know, Smolder or Visigoth or any of mm. these bands or, or any of the other like big tech dev bands. They just want to listen to Arch Enemy forever. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, they, just, they just want, uh, uh, what's their name? Uh, Fintroll. To just keep touring and keep releasing the same album into infinity, right? Mm, and mm. they fill stadiums, like stadiums Wait. on stadiums. Their tools are, right. are sold out. Uh, what's her name from from the eighties? Uh, heavy metal uh, vocalist. Oh, Doro. Doro. Like, who talks about Doro in our circles? No, uh, but Doro. Go on. She's huge. 
Yeah. You see, well, I, I mean, I have to, I have to take stock of this kind of thing, and like over, uh, one of the beautiful things about doing this degree has been that I now love all of the bad cheesy commercial metal that I used to <laughs> think, oh, I would never, oh, I would, I could never touch that. I'm so well knowledgeed, you know. I'm, I, and and what I was really thinking was this kind of hyper rockism that pre- that is extremely prevalent in extreme metal circles. You know, gather more and more knowledge, establish all of these high hierarchies of taste and oh you know that stuff's for that stuff's for posers etc but now i'm at the point where i am i i don't you know i'm not eagerly awaiting hearing a baby metal album but like i will give it pause for thought which is more than i would have ever done five six years ago and i think and and in doing this i'm able to i i i'm I'm encouraging my interest in the non-extreme sides of metal, which, as you say, is where the mass of the fandom is, and it's there that we have to really that it's it's there that we have to be theorizing more than in the extreme sections, which like affect far fewer people, even if those sections are where a lot more of the exciting thought and activity is happening. And it goes back to enjoyment, right? Like. We're very um, vocal about this on the podcast when it comes to literature and this uh, avoiding this idea of guilty pleasures, right? Mm. Like some books are, you know, oh, don't, I, I can't tell anyone that I read this book, which is a New York Times bestseller because I'm not oh. supposed to like books like that. I'm supposed to be this whatever, like rarefied scholar or whatever, where in, in essence, you are suffering from the same uh freudian right like comp- complexes and neurosis about enjoying things instead yeah, well, you should I, learn just to enjoy right well were there were there uh, the person who has a guilty pleasure or similarly i think the 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 black metal fan the left-wing black metal fan who likes bursum they have <laughs> uh, they 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 have an overabundance of super egoic enjoyment like they're mm. they're being they they want to enjoy in their specific way they they want to enjoy but they're also hyper aware of the way that the law is telling them to enjoy and they can't stomach that contradiction so it has to be oh i have to not tell anybody about this and i develop this neurosis where i'm constantly in fear that if somebody finds out that i listened to burzum once i'm gonna be pilloried publicly or whatever like the 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 problem with the guilty pleasure is for, for me, is the assumption that there is a, firstly, that there is a non-guilty pleasure out there. I think yeah. that's, that would be my point. Um, but also that, that um, you end up um, driving yourself around basically an edict of the law in your internalization of that. Super interesting. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, I mentioned the accursed chair at, at some point, but mm. I think it be, it's becoming more and more relevant because basically what we're mm. saying is there's this abundance of energy, right? Abundance mm. of, of ecstasy and enjoyment and so on. But we, instead of letting that enjoyment flow and, and be, you know, organically brought back into the community and the scene, we develop all of these convoluted um you know contradictions and loops and so on which makes this energy it channels it into all these negative places that then come out as gatekeeping elitism violence and so on because we are so trapped and caught up in all these bad energies malaise right instead of 
um, it cleanly being released, it, it becomes, it festals. Kind of. I mean, I, I, the way I think we see enjoyment in slightly different ways, because mm-hmm. because for me, because for me, enjoyment is always already tied up in violence. Um, it, yeah. it, like it, for, for me, like it's like we love the volcano volcano. You know, the volcano is but is is one of Bataille's like wonderful symbols of enjoyment. This like yeah. excessive production of just like unthinking violence. And we love that. We want that. My my contention is uh, around uh, around this kind of question is um, that we don't because we don't understand that what we want is stupid and violent, um, and and we can't. Uh, lots of people can't deal with how that is uh, how that contrasts and negates, um, the system of order, the system and the, and the systems of productivity the, and, and happiness machines and so on, because there's such a contradiction between like the kind this sort of direct enjoyment that metal offers, which is in such distinction to the, to the norms of, uh, to the norms of Western society that we end up developing all of these, like unnecessarily hierarchical strategies to sort of to kind of preserve the enjoyment, make it so that it's all ours, which is very like egoistic. Or you have this super egoic version where you like worry over whether you're enjoying in the right way, but you still feel this call to the to the to, to evil, right? Yeah. But the uh, uh, the 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 way through for me is that we reconceptualize metal as uh, and and i think fantasy not as these um not as not as like vehicles for creativity but vehicles for sacrifice so i think we completely agree right i think yeah okay cool yeah that's what that's what i meant to say right like the volcano we we love it we we want to enjoy it but it also frightens us in many ways because it contradicts Mm. the things that we were told are good and proper and make sense so instead of letting it overflow we try to cap it right like yes yeah perfect that's that's perfect but then what happens is yeah so if we do the bate thing and say that these forces are also organic the the lava cannot burst forth and be clean and flow it stays underground with these false artificial caps and it starts to rot, right? It starts yeah. to, it starts to um, cre- create non-positive forms of violence. And I think one thing that we didn't discuss at all, which I think is super pertinent, is moshing, mm-hmm. right? And, and moshing as a healthy, open way to express th- this violence, which is inherent to enjoyment, instead yes. of, you know, um, what's the... Um, the image of the aging metalhead, right? They sit in the back with their arms crossed around their chest and they just nod their head mm. and they're not letting loose, right? They're not letting these energies flow through them. Instead, they're trying to control them and to um, make them into something that they're not. Yes, and, and indeed, like the, the position of the, the, the muse, of the gig attendee who stands to the side with their arms crossed, they are, um, they are asking to be looked at in that yeah. moment you know yeah, they they seen. want to they want to be seen as detached yeah. as as sure. cool to the situation um yes yeah they, they're they're practicing cool and yeah. and i and i i think i think that is very unmetal to be cool <laughs> is is to not so, be metal 
Um, so I think, but, uh, yeah, go on. Well, uh, I mean, we should also be kind to the elderly metalhead that can't necessarily get up and, and about and get into the mosh pit at yeah. age 55. You know, they might have a dicky hip or so on. But the but uh, agreed, it's about the 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 way, yeah, the, the, the way we can conceptualize metal from the point of view of enjoyment is that it provides this extremely direct access. And one of the ways it does that is like condoning violence in harmless ways. And I think, yeah. and 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 that for me is its genuine political opening because that I think is how we should see. That's how we should organize society, not around productivity, but around harmless violence. Super fascinating. I think we we could do like another hour just on the Akilsa chair and how it works into this because because oh, yeah, no, it's big. It's really yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I wanted to tell one last story about about the elderly sure. um metalhead i remember i attended um the grass pop festival in belgium and blind guardian were playing i love blind guardian i also mm. think they're a very good example of how to do fantasy and how to do power metal in 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 better ways right like they will oh never my god have... they're yeah. so good and, so and good. because cause they because <coughs> Because they through compose almost like the compositions are so varied and and, yeah. and grandiose and and not just chords either like it really moves around and then their approach to fantasy is also like it's critical it's um it's it's Im- it's extremely emotive it's not just it's not just recounting uh, narrative but sorry yes you're at grass so- yeah, so I was there, and one of my fondest memories was actually not moshing and you know Wall of Death and all that stuff. It was singing Imaginations from the Other Side with a bunch of elderly German uh, people mm. that were there, and that's what I'm talking about. Right, like you don't have to go into the mosh, but there's something about participation, and yes. they didn't know the lyrics all the way because even though Blind Guardian are German as well, they sing in English. And it was obvious that they, um, like, I'm a super ultra mega fan, right? I I know every lyric to every Blind Guardian song. Uh, But it wasn't the point. It wasn't the point. The point was this, first of all, communal, right? It has to happen with a community, but also free going and and expressive and explosive um, expression of these energies. Yeah, and I think it get. I think the wonderful thing, perhaps, about metal is that it even pushes beyond community and into collectivity because mm. you don't know these people. Yeah, like the, it, 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 when metal's on a scenic level, it's um, it's much it's community, right? You know the heads, you know the dynamics, and you work within a series of established dynamics to put you know to develop this this thing together and and. And as we and you know, community has the tensions of localism to it. But in when you go to a really big concert and you put and you end up, you know, putting your arms around five people that you've never met and just and you're, and you're all singing the song together, I think that touches on the public, on 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 mass collectivity, and I think that and that's why uh, for me that's this kind of touching on the universal is perhaps why metal is so persistent and has spread all over the world because it although um it carries with it all of these particulars of of largely european fantasy culture it uh, they are reinterpolated when they arrive in other countries and 
the core, the 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 sort of basic messages or the basic ideas around enjoyment, uh, participation, and so on, they are more universal and 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 are are readily accepted. And and still, the fans all still think of themselves. I, I guess to add to that, the fans all think of themselves as being in a global scene a global yeah. community even though they don't know each other they, they and it's not really a community whereas i think uh, in other genre discourses that have spread all over the world like hip hop i don't think people conceive of a global hip hop community in the same way i yeah. think it, as far as i know it's more about the particular national or regional scenes and that's mm-hmm. the kind of the and that's the core way that hip hop fans talk about the the music the music and 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 their participation in it fascinating stuff uh david where would you like to send our listeners to follow you is that twitter or follow me on twitter at metal underscore analysis um which one day will be the name of a book um, yeah yeah I, i'm i'm tired at the moment though so <laughs> i'm not doing it right now <laughs> yeah um but Thank you so much for the fascinating conversation. We always end uh, with music, so I want to do that now. And actually, I don't know if you know these guys, but I think you would love them. These guys are from Minsk in Belarus. Uh, mm-hmm. Netlai Come Sweet. Really fascinating post-metal band that okay. have recently released an album called De Lumiere, The Lights. Um, and I'm reading from the Bandcamp description. A single cinematic canvas of touching lyrical cello tunes, vast ambient landscapes, crushing guitar riffs, and heavy monolithic drones, influenced by the poetry of Thomas Eliot, Ezra Pound, the works of William Shakespeare, and the philosophical works of Nietzsche, Jean Baudrillard, and Eric Fromm. Wow, what a contradictory mixture, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, mixture, and the cover art is also fascinating. There's some sort of saint or something, and those plants mm. growing out of him. Really fascinating, yeah. and I'm going to be playing... Um, Splendor from um, this album, which is the third track. So maybe while it's crashing around you, you could, you could think about all the stuff that we spoke about and kind of feel that excessive energy uh, bubbling through you. And uh, David, thank you once again. It was a true pleasure. Well, thank you very much. It's been wonderful to speak to you today. Awesome. Here's Splendor by De Lumiere. Thank you for listening and goodbye. And проникает в самую душу. Что же резонирует у нас в ответ на приведенный гармонии шум и превращает его для нас в источник высокого наслаждения и объединяет, и потрясает? Для чего все это нужно? И, и главное, кому? Вы ответите никому, и ни для чего так. Смысл. И смысл, и причину.